part of the instrument, the part of the body of Christ that allows these creative applications of your gospel to bring people into the truth that is found in your word. We pray for Colleen. We pray for the entire team for SSS and for those who have already committed, those who are going to be a part of this movie and this entire uh, week of uh, spiritual investment in the lives of these kids. And for the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, God, it's a big production as well. But Lord, uh, we are confident in knowing that you will raise up us to collectively move forward and present this message that reflects on the redemption that is found in your son, Jesus. So God, uh, use us, shape us, grow us in all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Colleen. Appreciate it. Thanks to Deb. Um, I think that's it, okay? Uh, Again, uh, we were hoping to share those over a period of a couple weeks, um, but... Uh, that didn't happen. So, you know, since we haven't had sermon for two weeks, I've got permission to go like three hours today, right? Uh, <laughs> some of you, what I know, welcome that. So I appreciate that. But um, I'm actually going to be preaching a message that was intended for the 13th. So we had just decided being off two weeks that we would just move everything back because this is very much a part of this series on become. And if you haven't flipped there, I encourage you to flip to 1 Peter. We are going to be spending about the next eight weeks in 1 Peter. So we're just going to kind of just continue to check away at it. And I would encourage you that as you spend time in, I know many of you are involved in edge classes, in small groups, and so on. But I would encourage you in the midst of that is to make some time to read through 1 Peter. And each week we're going to take just little chunks of it and we're going to work through and, and talk about what Peter is doing here to these churches in Asia Minor, what he's teaching them, how he is helping them understand their identity in Jesus Christ, which is very much this idea, this focus of become for us this, uh, this year. So I want to go back, since it has been a few weeks, I want to go back and, and if you remember in the first Um, the first part of Peter. He has the the standard introduction, and he is writing this letter to uh, churches in Asia Minor as an encouragement, but also an exhortation. So many of you know exhortation is is, it's kind of like a a command, but it's an encouraging command to, to really motivate and empower people to live the way God has called them to live. Because in that time, there was much persecution going on with the church. People were losing their lives, um, as well as their freedoms, as they were professing Christ. And so Peter, who has made an incredible transformation, this is, this is the kind of befungling guy that, you know, jumps out of the boat and starts walking on water without really understanding, but he does it in faith. It's the guy that speaks up and says, no, Jesus, you can't die. It's the guy that denies Jesus three times, but it is the guy who is radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ in his life. And so now he is pouring in and investing into these churches. He has walked through his life. He's he's nearing somewhat the end of his life. He will eventually die a martyr's death. And so I love what we see with Peter here. He is pouring deeply into 
these men and women, these families, and saying, don't give up. I know it's hard, but don't give up. And so he starts this letter and he he begins to lay out all of the things that are true about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's so important for me to remember. It's easy to forget when the things of this world come crashing in. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But in this first section, verses 1 through verse 12, I just want to remind us that Peter is reminding the Christians then and us today of the great truths about our salvation, the great truths about the better future that we read about, not only in Revelation, but we hear in various places of God's Word. If you would turn your sermon sheet over for me, I just want to remind us, uh, if you remember a few weeks back, is we, we uh, laid this out for the first time for the congregation. And this, this is our vision for us for the next seven years. And it has to do with how we become spiritually formed in our identity in Jesus. And because of that, we have a pattern of spiritual formation as church. I want everybody who comes into this church to grow in Jesus Christ, whether they're here for a year or here for 15 years, is that because of being involved in this body, they and we will grow. Because in that, as this vision says, is that we will bring hope to those who don't know Christ or to those who misunderstand Christ, to those who have no other hope because what we know is every other hope is fleeting. And in that, we want to be people who pass on that spiritual heritage. We're going to unwrap this not only this year and the coming weeks and months. We're going to unwrap this over the next couple of years and we're going to live into that. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do with us. So I want to move into the second section beginning with verse 13. And Peter starts to get a little bit more specific here. He starts to focus a little bit more on some of the specifics about what our salvation ensures us, what that identity means for us. As I talked in the beginning, is that there are a lot of things about our identity. But I think most of the least, some of the least important things are the things that are found on our license or a passport or even on our phone. The most important things about our identity are about our heart and about the beliefs we have and our view of this world. So I want to move into this section. I'm going to begin in verse 13. It will be on the screen. Peter says, understanding all of these aspects of our salvation and our assurance, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners, fear and reverent fear. For you know that it is, was not with perishable things such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he always points back to Jesus. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake, 
Through him, he reminds them, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, he's starting to get practical. He's starting to mess with our daily business. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all the glory, their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. He's quoting from Isaiah 40. And this is the word that was preached to you. Wow. We can spend a few weeks on that. I want to capture a theme here for us today that I think is incredibly significant for us as a church right now. Tony is going to speak on our collective identity as the church next week. I don't know that there's been a more opportune time for us to remind, be reminded of our true identity as a church. But it begins with also our identity individually, personally, you may say. And it really is this focus of become. If we don't know who we are, we will never understand where we're going, what we're supposed to do, what our purpose is. That is true of any aspect of life. But the foundational piece of that is our spiritual nature. So I want to draw out a couple of things here that I want us to be thinking about, not just today, but as we move forward. And the first one is this. Our individual identity in Christ is both given by God and received by us in faith. Let me talk about this piece of given by God. If we don't understand, as Peter tells us, that God is the giver, we tend to raise ourselves up and our identity up based on us. We tend to make decisions. We tend to see ourselves in wrong uh, position with God. This is not a very friendly message, especially in this day and age where we continue to raise human beings up as their own gods. What Scripture tells us, what Peter reminds us, is that our identity is in Jesus Christ because of what God has given. In other words, you can't earn it. I can't either. Praise God. I'd blow that one up. I tried. You probably did too. And so there's this distinction and some would say, Dan, why, why are you going to pound on this distinction? Peter talks about it a little bit as he talks about children of God. But why is it so important for us to distinguish between creations of God and children of God? Because there's a huge difference in the identity. Huge. Everyone is a creation of God. A human being by nature has been born physically because of God's act of of creation. We see it in Genesis 1. We also read about it in Psalm 139. You know the words, I have fearfully and wonderfully made you. I struggle at times when I hear people talk about everyone as a child of God. I love the inclusive nature of that, but it's not biblical. There is a distinct difference in being a child of God than a creation of God. And we cannot blur that, church, because as soon as we start to blur that, what happens is that we begin to lose a sense of the true identity that we have in God through Jesus. 
It's not about excluding people. The reality is, is people make that choice on their own. None of us have a choice to be born, right? We are born. Our parents had a role in that, but God had a bigger role in that. And as his creation, we have great purpose designed in us. We have great potential designed in us. And we also have a free will to choose to follow God through Jesus or not. And so if we walk around saying everyone is a child of God, we diminish the power of salvation. We diminish the gospel. And again, it's not a very popular message, but Peter speaks of it here when he says, as God's children. And that's, that is incredibly crucial for all that he's going to build upon. Because if you see yourself merely as a creation of God, as good as that is, and not a child of God, you have not been adopted. We read in Scripture, we are adopted by faith into God's family. And so, by God's grace, He is the giver. And we have to always acknowledge Him as the giver. He's why we worship together every Sunday morning. He is the giver of life. But we are also receivers by faith. So he gives by his grace. And here's the distinction as a child of God. We receive by faith. Every one of you, me included, everyone in this world has a choice. And it is a choice of faith. It may start here, but it becomes a choice of faith. Am I going to be obedient to God by living my life for Jesus Christ? When we make that commitment... Sometimes it's a very distinguishable moment. Sometimes people can tell you the exact time when I committed to Jesus Christ. For others, it is a working over a season, sometimes a lifetime. And on their deathbed, they say, Jesus, I believe in you. You see, it's not a natural birth at that point. It's a spiritual rebirth. Scripture talks about it. Peter talks about this spiritual rebirth. But we have to receive that. Sometimes I struggle. And in a day and age, I was doing some reading over my prayer and study retreat. And there's this one book, there's aspects of it I just absolutely love. There's such truth in it. And there's other points where he has very much weakened what I see necessary elements of the gospel. And again, it's not about excluding people, but we diminish our identity when we fail to understand that we've made a a commitment to receive Jesus by faith. Peter's taking them back there. He's saying, remember that. When you're struggling, remember you have received by God's grace in faith and you are now a child of God. We have a different set of standards to live by as a child of God versus just the creation of God. We have a command upon our life, the great commission, the great commandment to live our lives as children of God. John 1, this is on the screen. I want us to look at this. John 1, 12 and 13. Yet to all who did, what's the word there? Receive. That's that choice we have. Receive him to those who believed in his name. He what? He gave the right to become, there it is, children of God. 
Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Sit there for a moment, please. A child of God. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here. But it is an incredibly impressive part of our identity. When I was 20 years old, I was a creation of God. When I was 25 years old, I was a child of God. And I was a different man because of the salvation God gave me. You all have your stories too. We're different. We've been transformed. We're continuing to be transformed. That's why in verse 21 it says, So your faith and hope are in God. It's all faith. It's not earned. It's not something that we can run after by all of our efforts. It is a decision to choose and accept. And I know for most of you, this is not new news. It's your covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and God. But don't push it back in a way as if by time or familiarity that it is not crucial to your identity. Try something this week. When you wake up in those moments before you rise out of your bed, say to yourself, I am a child of God. Offer a prayer in that moment. Let me live as a child of God today. Because what do we do? We run back to the creation part, don't we? We run back to the Adam and Eve part. Our our sinful nature wants to take us there. So we constantly need to be reminded. It's not just positive faith talk or self-talk. No, it is the power of salvation that Peter is talking about here. Because the rest of what Peter talks about is not possible without understanding ourselves as a child of God. We understand our role and our place. We understand that we're not God. He is We understand we're not the Savior. We are not Lord of our lives or anybody else's life. He is. Shapes us. Another point I want to make here has to do with, and I want to sit here for the rest of our time. It has to do with our individual identity in Christ is both now and not yet. Now we've talked about this theological concept before. But it's important as we understand our identity. This whole uh, focus of become, it it exudes, it, it kind of just bleeds this idea that we are, but we're not everything that we are to be. And that's what Peter reminds them here. They're suffering. They're being persecuted. You take any trial, any suffering that you have on a daily basis, and to tell yourself, to remind, to study the Word, and and understand that your identity is being shaped. It's not done. But there's some that is there and is solid. So it's a now and it's a not yet. I think so many people live their lives by what has happened. Well, I did this, and so I can never be good enough for God, or I can never get into heaven. Or the opposite, I've done good enough, and my good works will get me to heaven. We know that's not what Scripture says. 
But we have to see our identity as this thing that has been established, but also this thing that is being shaped and for the future hope. I hope this is not it. If this is it, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed as much as I love you all and as much as I, I love this church family. If this is it, but it's not. It's not. Praise God. But verse 13 says, communicates this idea of the now and the not yet. It says, the grace to be brought at his coming. Verse 17, live out your time as foreigners here, sensing that there is more to come. Verse 23, through the living and enduring word of God. It's active. Why does it matter? Think about a seed that you put in the ground in the spring. Maybe you do that. Susan's grandfather used to always put it, and he'd, he'd have his little indoor garden in the little pockets, you know, and the little, uh, little globe thing over it, and he'd, he'd have things growing up. And by the time he had them in the ground, I was just starting to think about a garden, you know. And so, but he did that. But when he planted the seed and put the seed in there, he knew that it wasn't just going to be a muddy seed if he cared for it. You see, God has planted a seed in us in our salvation, but it is not the final work. There is growth to happen. Think about the Israelites. When they left, the, the, uh, left Egypt, Moses, led by God, brought them out of Egypt. When they left Egypt, they were out of slavery, but they weren't to the promised land yet. Our stories are the same. When we are no longer a bondage, in bondage to, the, to the, uh, the slavery of sin, it doesn't mean that we've hit the promised land. We are on our way. So it's this piece that it's important that I hope and I pray that, that Jesus rattles your identity. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I want him to rattle it because I want you not to settle. I don't want to settle just in what I have been or what has happened to me. God is working in me today. He's working in you today. Not just because you're sitting here to listen to a preacher. No, because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Senior adults, I beg of you, don't stop. We need you desperately. We need to see models of men and women who faithfully live to their last breath, praising and proclaiming the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. Don't coast, please. Please don't coast. You are becoming perhaps more now than ever. So I want to look at a couple of verses. And I want to I want to talk for a moment about this aspect of now and not yet. And the first has to do this with this idea of in Christ, your identity has been established. This is about our belief in what's been done. Peter talks here in verse 14. He says, you are a child of God. In other words, it's been set. It's been established. No one is taking that away from you. No one is going to rip your salvation from your life. It has been done. It has been finished by Jesus Christ. And then in verse 15, he has the audacity to say, be holy. 
Now, I know what happens. It happens to me. Oh, really? Come on. i got to be holy? Because what do we think? We automatically think, I do, and I've heard that most people do, well, that means I have to be perfect. That's not what holy is about here. This goes back to the child of God. He says, you are now set apart. Because it's been established that you have been set apart by Jesus Christ. You are no longer just a creation. You are now my child. See the difference? It should impact every morning for us. It should impact every day for us. Verse 18. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. No one's taking that away. Praise God. No one's taking that away. No one's taking away what Jesus has done for you. No one. It's been done. When our identities are shattered, when our identities are rattled, what do we go to? We go to the things that are not changeable. This is not changeable if you put your faith and trust in Him. You have been reborn. You've been born again. No one's taking that away from you. And your identity is established in that. That seed has been planted And why does this matter? Because it shapes our belief. Because when trials come, when persecution come, what do you do? You go back to what you believe and what you know. Even if you have to convince yourself over and over, I know I am a child of God. I know that Jesus died for me. I know that my failure is not bigger than the grace of Jesus Christ. When I was young... And I, I looked this up. I, I wish I still had it. I had a, a great, and not these little, little cheap ones that they offer now, but it was, it was a great big, it had to be two by three, giant coloring book. And I loved it. And I, it was put out about 1977, so I was about six then. And I got it one for your, year for Christmas. My, my sister got a different one. I got Blazer the Fire Dog. And I found a picture of it. I didn't get it put up. Blazer the Fire Dog. And I remember setting and, and just spreading this thing, which seemed like, you know, 10 feet wide, out on. And mom and dad bought me the great big thick crayons, as thick as your thumb. And I would just sprawl out and I would just lay and I would color that thing. And I got to thinking about that. And as goofy as it may sound, what has been established in us is like the black lines on the coloring page. When you sit down to color, you color, and I know some like to color outside of the lines. But I've tried coloring outside the lines in my life. I think you have too. Doesn't work. Maybe creative. But Jesus has established for us the picture and black lines. He has set it for us. We don't have to figure out life on our own. We don't have to figure out how to do relationships on our own. We look to Jesus. We look to those black lines because there is a picture developing. If you believe in the black lines of the picture, you color in them and it sets you on a path. In this world of discovering your own identity from everything from sexuality to even your race and choosing all of those things that are absolute nonsense in my belief and what God's Word says. There was a man who recently has been playing for a football team known as the Clemson Tigers. He's the quarterback. I don't know this man from anybody else except for what I've seen in this video. 
But I want you to take a look at this video and look at how he speaks of what's been established in him. Take a look. Um, I've just, that's just kind of always been my personality. Um, and then just growing up, my family's always like, I mean, football's, football's important to me, obviously, but it's just, it's not my life. It's not, uh, it's not like the biggest thing in my life, I would say. Uh, my, my faith is. So that just comes from kind of knowing, um, knowing who I am outside of that. So I just know no matter how big the situation is, it's not really going to define me. Just, just putting my identity and, you know, what, what Christ says, what, who th- he thinks I am and who I know that he says I am. So really, like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what people think about me or how good they think I play or whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. So that's definitely been a big thing for me just uh, in my situation, just knowing that and having confidence in that. He knows what's been established for him. No one's taking that away, no matter whether he throws 20 passes or 40 in a game. I want to look at another piece of this as we move forward. And it's what Peter is talking about here and how our identity has not only been established, but it's being shaped. And this is about the life now. And it's really a theme here of Peter saying, you live now based on what has been established for you as a Jesus follower, and also for what is to come for you, which we'll talk about in a moment. But this piece, as he talks about being shaped, he says in verse 13, with minds that are alert and fully sober, there is an action there. In verse 15, be holy in all you do. It's active. Verse 17, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. It's active. It's ongoing. And then the very specific in verse 22, have sincere love for each other. Put it to practice. So in these verses, in this particular section, those are all based on what Jesus has already established. There's no way that we could even begin to comprehend, be holy, because I am holy if Jesus has not died for us. It's wise for us to live this way because we approach every day that God is still shaping us through Jesus. It's our faith in action. It's Philippians 1.6. Some of you know this by heart. That he who began a good work in you will complete it, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not done with you. Your story is not completely written. It's who you're becoming. And it's this this obedience. Sometimes we preachers are afraid to talk about obedience because it just sounds like we're being bossy and pushy and everything else. Here's what you need to know. I struggle with it every day. I'm no different than you. I struggle with it every day. Sometimes in the smallest of things. Sometimes in the big things. But that obedience is a part of what Jesus is shaping in me. Because I am now acting on what I believe. I'm not just walking around telling everybody I love Jesus. I'm actually living and loving like Jesus. And in the failures, I still get back up and go. So back to Blazer, the fire dog. This is that part of our lives where God gives us the big crayons, the big, colorful, obnoxious crowns, and says, here's what I've established in these black lines. Now color. 
color. Live into what I have given you, color. I've set some boundaries for you that are healthy, but color. You know, hopefully, if you've never colored, go buy a coloring book today and color, please. Whether it's 2 by 3 or 11 by 17 or 8.5 by 11, color. Much of what Jesus wants to do in our life and shaping us is creating this picture. It's becoming what's already been established. Finally, we have what's been established in our identity. We have what's being shaped in our identity through our obedience. And then Peter always goes back to this, and he will throughout this letter. He goes back, and he continues to remind people of, it's coming. It is to come. So in those days when you actually are questioning and doubting your faith, and if you've never had them, they will come. They do for all of us because they're incredible shapers for us. God uses it, even though it doesn't make sense. And in that, what we realize is that our identity is not fully realized. Some of it has been established. Some of it's being shaped as we color that picture. And then there is a beautiful picture of what God has designed you to become that has not happened yet. It's not happened, but it's coming. He says in verse 13, Set your hope on the grace to be brought at His coming. When you live with eager expectation of what Jesus is going to do in the future, you live your life very differently. Susan and I went to a visitation the other night for a man from West Alexandria. Uh, Terry Chapman is his name. Some of you may know him. Terry's 57 years old, diagnosed about eight months ago with stomach cancer. And he passed away last week. His son, Josh, played uh, sports and band with Jacob, and we know the family through the Twin Valley South community. There was a joy in that place as we walked through that line. And it wasn't just because the family are happy people. They're Jesus people. They know that Terry's death at 57 years old isn't the end. I'm going to tell you an opposite story. And I don't want this to appear judgmental in any way, but several weeks ago, a classmate of my daughter, Danielle, at 14 years old, took her life. Now, I don't know what happened in the final moments. But I can tell you when I walked in that visitation, there wasn't much hope. That hurts. Because it's my job and your job to make sure people know the hope. That their identity is not in all the things that happen to them. It's in what Jesus has done for them. And so we're praying for that family right now. That if they don't know Jesus, and they may, that their hope would be restored. Because there is a beautiful picture that Jesus has in store for every one of us. And the link of it all is our faith. Listen. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all we have. It is all we have.
but is the best thing to have. Faith is that link from the past and the present and the future of identity. You have been forgiven, you are forgiven, and you will be forgiven. You have been loved, you are loved, and you will continue to be loved in Jesus. You have been made alive, you are alive, and you are going to be alive in Jesus. You have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved at the coming of Jesus Christ. When fully realized, your salvation will be together. And my prayer for us is to continue to long for it and not to give up in it. Not to give up in it. Tell people, even when they don't want to hear it, tell them. Be loving and kind, but don't be shy about it. There's a song out that's very popular right now, and I'd like, it, it is incredibly appropriate for us today. And so before the team comes out and leads us in this final song, I'd like us just to set the words of this uh, music video are on the screen. And it's a song about our identity and what the world says we are, what we think we are, but who we are really in Jesus Christ. Take a look. Our prayer this year as we walk through this year together is that you will become more than you ever thought you could be in Jesus. It's not because you're horrible now. It's not because of anything that you failed at. But we want to dream big about what God wants to create us to be in Jesus. In my prayer and study retreat the past few weeks, as I spent time with the Lord praying for us, praying for this year ahead, one of the things the Lord revealed to me was that my faith is too small. That's not very fun to hear. (laughs) I'll just tell you. But I want to share that with you because part of that is that I want to be transparent in that. We have to be transparent with one another if we want to become. We have to put down all the masks, all the things. Be holy because I'm holy. We're going to close with a, a wonderful classic hymn that the team's going to lead us in. And I'm going to invite you, if for no other reason... And if you'd like to do this at your seat, that's perfectly okay. But I would like to invite you to the altar this morning, and I would like you to commit to become more like Jesus this year. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see you grab those crowns and color with Jesus leading you and develop into the picture of what his life, your life, he has designed for you. Again, you can do that at your seat. You can gather with one another, that's fine. But I think for some, this is where we need to be. Team, let's worship.